night. And God, we do thank you that there is nothing better than you. God, would we look to you for satisfaction? Would you protect us and would you keep us, God, as we constantly, constantly turn to things that do not satisfy? God, would you help us to understand that you are better than anything that is offered to us? Would you help us to turn to you and look to you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may take a seat. He was or is 74 years old or 73 years old. I had crossed him uh, two different times in my life. The first time he approached me uh, was about three or four weeks ago, and he said, I would like to talk to you. I would like to have a conversation with you. And I said, sure, let's, let's put something down on the calendar. And he said, I would like to make a decision uh, to be baptized, 74 years old. He had come into my office, and as we started the conversation, there was tears welling up in his eyes because of his, of his anticipation for one place. It was heaven. We would talk about the topic of heaven, and tears would well up, and he had never been there before. Tonight, we are talking about heaven, and I could not be more amped. I know that might be exhausting for some of you when I get done teaching. You might feel like, <laughs> but I am so excited. Uh, I've done one series on heaven before to a bunch of middle schoolers, uh, and honestly, I felt terrible afterwards because it ended up being super like theoretical. There was charts, there was graphs, there was all these pictures and really weird stuff that I felt like didn't really help them. Well, this series and this, I know for sure it's going three weeks. I think it's going to go four. just depends. Maybe we'll just go for 10. I don't know. Uh, I know this, that talking about heaven, uh, maybe for some of you, real quick, real quick, raise your hand if you have never heard a series or a message on heaven in your life. Just throw your hand up real quick. Throw it up. Let me see it. Let me see it. Okay, so like six of you. Um, the other half of you, maybe you have heard a sermon on series or a series on heaven but you didn't feel like it was helpful. Maybe you felt like it was really theoretical, it was not practical, it didn't help you, and they were like, have an eternal mindset. And then you, you didn't know what to do with your time or with the Bible. And it just, it wasn't helpful. Well, I am going to try extremely hard to be practical, to be helpful, and to show you what the Bible says about heaven, because it will be far better than you could ever imagine. Now, why would we title the series FOMO, Fear of Missing Out? How many of you have ever experienced FOMO? Whether, uh, for yes, yeah, sweet, all of us, uh, I experience FOMO anytime there is a group of three people talking and I am not in the conversation. What are they talking about? The first time I remember experiencing heaven or fo heaven FOMO uh, was when I was six years old. It would be eight thirty. Where did I have to go? To bed. I didn't want to go to bed. I would make up excuses. I would lie. I would do stuff because what are they doing down there? And why can I not be a part of it? And a lot of you, you experience this every single night. You get ready for bed. Let's go through it. You brush your teeth, hopefully. 
some of you. Maybe you floss, I don't know. You, you, you get ready for bed, you go to the bathroom, got your PJs on, you lay down for bed. Maybe it's really early, you gotta get up early in the morning for school or for work. It's about 9.45, you're laying down, you're like, oh, all right. Lay down, all of a sudden, you look over and there's your phone. You're like, do I look? You look, you have to, you can't not because it just went off. And then you start to get notifications about what other people are doing. And oh my gosh, you're, you're sad. You wish you were out with them. And then you're like, could I go? Eh, I'm not ready, I'm not dressed. You have this sense of missing out of what other people are doing. You compare with them because you wish you were doing what they were doing. Harvard came out with a study and said the reason why people experience FOMO or fear is because they want two things to take place. They want connection. You want to connect with someone, and you don't want someone else to have a better experience than you. It's connection, and then number two, what? Accomplishment. Because you're worried that you are not doing what other people are doing, and you'll what? You'll fall behind. You'll miss out on an opportunity. Maybe something with school or with a job, and you'll miss out. So you have this feeling of fear. Fear is a trap. It is a feeling, a paralyzer that makes us do really, really dumb things at times. But if you're going, and I'm going, to experience FOMO about anything, anything, my thesis for the next couple weeks, I don't know, I think it's going to be three, four maybe, is that you should have a sense of FOMO about heaven and what is going to take place there. Because there are things that you want in your life. There's this longing every single one of us have, and I'm not alone here. You want to feel significant. You want to feel happy. You want to feel accomplished. You have asked yourself this question, am I lovable? Do they love me? And every single nagging feeling that you have that causes fear is complete in Christ and what he is offering to every single one of us. Philippians 3.20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior. Your citizenship is in heaven if you follow Christ. My citizenship is in heaven. I will be in heaven and I will not have a mega hat on. I will not be, oh, that threw a curveball. You mega. Uh, you will not be, I mean, honestly, think about the tension we feel. It's not America. It's not make America great. It's not all, I'm not, I mean, whoa, I will get way down in left field here. Uh, in heaven, it is, your citizenship is there, and it's not going to be complete here on earth. I don't care what happens next Tuesday. My king is Jesus, and when my citizenship is in heaven and I serve Jesus, my heart is longing for that. So I have way too much content for tonight, way too much work, but I got to get moving. Why talk about FOMO and why talk about heaven? Number one, the majority of your existence will be eternal, I'm going to pull the rope out in a couple weeks, I think, but uh, your, I will, I'm bringing it. Um, the majority of your existence is going to be eternal. It's going to last forever, and that makes me nervous. What will I do? If there's no, I'm nervous about the time frame. 
I want a clock. I want to know what time it is. The majority of your existence is going to be eternal, and uh, hopefully you know where you're going. Number two, God has provided information. He has given us information. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 9 to 10, it says this, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That your heart and your mind imagine what heaven could be like. The Bible is going to give us some answers. I will promise you, you will have more questions than answers, just like me at the end of this study. I believe your imagination can be lit up talking about heaven in a good way that you can imagine what's going to take place, but you will be just like me. You will have more questions than answers because as one friend asked me who I was trying to lead to Christ, Michael, have you been to heaven? I have not. Then how do you know what it's like? We're gonna talk about that. Number three, why talk about this? There's a lot of misconceptions and it's better than you think. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, for we have, a, we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. It says in Hebrews 11, it is a better country. It is a better country. It's a better place to be. It's far better, Philippians 1 says, than you can imagine. Heaven, you can't wrap your mind around it. And there are tons of misconceptions I mean, and I'm going to try and debunk a few of those tonight, but a lot of people, a few of them, number four, if you'd pull it up for me, uh, number four is heaven will not be the same for everyone. And maybe you've, if you've heard sermons on heaven, maybe you kind of know where I'll be going. Uh, we'll be talking about rewards in two weeks and what those mean and how those take place and what you do here matters that heaven will not be the same for me as it is for some of you. And number five, uh, why talk about heaven? Um, it's where Jesus is and what you long for. It is what you long for. Uh, and I know that sounds really like churchy and maybe you heard that at Bible college one time and you're, you wanna know if we're gonna sing the whole time. Will we sing the whole time? And who's preaching? You wanna know and what are you gonna do? Just sit there and take notes? I mean, what is going to happen there? But it is where Jesus is and what you long for. We will talk about that in number six. Um, everyone thinks they're going, and if Jesus is right, that's not true. Everyone thinks they're going. Every single person. I talked to a man recently. Why are you going to heaven? I don't know. Do you think you're going? A hundred percent. So why are you going? I feel like I'm going. Bet. We need to talk about that. There are 250,000 people who die every single day. I think a lot of them have the perception that they're going to die and go to heaven. Why wouldn't you? You're better than your neighbor. Shoot, man, you read your Bible. You can quote John 3.16. Why wouldn't you get into heaven? You didn't do anything crazy. So why talk about it? Because of these six things. Number one, God's initial intent was heaven for you. 
I'm not going to turn to Genesis 1 and 2, and I'm not going to pull up anything on the screen, but a clear description of heaven, is, what, is of what Genesis 1 and 2 is, is what God initially wanted for you. He initially wanted, to, wanted for you and I to have perfect communion with God. No desire to sin. Perfect, imagine this, perfect contentment where you did not have this nagging about what was next. God's initial attempt, what his game plan was, plan A was that you and I would be in heaven with him for eternity, that that is what he desired. It was his initial, his initial intent. And when things, I mean, you and I have things and do things to where it doesn't meet the initial intent, right? My phone, it is a phone, I prefer not to use it as a phone. Don't call me. And if you leave a voicemail, I am really confused. Why did my mom leave me a voicemail? That's not the intent of my phone. Send me a text. But it's called, what, a phone. And it's the only app I really don't want to use on my phone. The initial intent was what God had in this. God has always wanted the best for you and still does. Since the beginning. He has always desired the best for you. And when you see you, a lot of times what we'll do is just kind of put it generic. We'll say like a crowd or people you know or family or friends. Insert your name. God has always wanted the best for you and still does. His plan A was that you would be perfectly happy and content and have a job We'll talk about that in a minute. You're like, a job? Uh, we'll talk, I mean, th- and this is weird. I don't know why I'm, gonna think, I'm thinking about this right now. Perfect food. That's sweet. I think we're going to eat a ton in heaven. I think the food's going to be the best food we've ever had or far beyond what you can imagine. Will we eat meat in heaven? I'm not answering that question. I think that, I mean, I'll let you think about that. But anyway, in Genesis 1 and 2, there was perfect communion between Adam and Eve Uh, perfect reigning, perfect sex, all of these things taking place, it was initial to what God had wanted. Number two, we cause the problem, but God seeks to restore. Look at this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? you. Out of everything that you and I are fed today, it is hard to trust anything. I don't trust the news. I mean, heck no. I don't trust what a lot of people tell me. I don't trust a lot of people. You're like, you're an eight. You don't trust, right? There's things that I just don't trust. I don't want to trust what they're telling me. This is not fake news. He says, where are you? God is seeking to restore your name. It says in the Bible, he is not wanting anyone to perish, but all to seek repentance or all to come into heaven. Every single person. He is seeking to restore, and you and I caused the problem. Every person I share the gospel with, when I bring up, God is perfect and holy. You're a sinner. They're all like, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I suck. 
All of us would agree with that. But Jesus is seeking to restore the problem with you and with me. Number three, God wants to have a place specifically for you. Let's talk about this. In John 14, Jesus said this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus said, I ain't lying. He said, I've never lied. I'm not making something up theoretical. He's saying, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may, also, you may be also. God has a place or wants to have a place specifically for you. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know exactly how big the houses are gonna be. I don't know if it's a hotel room. I don't know. All I know is this. If you know Christ as Savior and you will be in heaven, he wants to have a place specifically for you. It will suit you individually. It will be beyond your wildest dreams. You wanna know how big your TV is. I don't know. You want to know what your room looks like. What's the mattress? I want to know, is it a sleep number? What is my room? You guys are like, those are sweet. I've never slept on one of those. Uh, you want to know, do you have a pool? Is it over top of an ocean? I don't know. This is what I do know about God. He knows your desires better than you. He knows what you want. He knows what you need. And the way we live our life now he has a place for you, and it's got your name on the front door, your name specifically for you. And think about this. How awesome is it that as God prepares heaven, as he prepares it, he had you in mind. He goes to the cross seeking to forgive us, and on the cross, he has you and your eternity in mind. I have far more questions than answers. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how big it is. I know uh, in Revelation talks about this gold street. I don't know how long the street is. I don't know how wide it is. We're not going to get into cubits and, you know, rulers out and how big the city is. We're not, we're not doing that and boom, bang, on back on the earth and the new Jerusalem. Some of you know where I'm going. Uh, we're not doing that. But here's what I want you to know. God has something specifically for you. And everything that you have ever thought you needed, you will no longer have that feeling. In heaven, it will be content. And don't mistake me tonight or through this series at all. Primarily, heaven is not about me. Not gonna, you know, throw my name up on the, the jumbotron and really just worship, Mike's here. That's probably not going to happen, right? It will be about God. And we will worship him. And it will be far better than you can imagine. But he has a room for me, a house for me, a place for me specifically. And I always, when I think about heaven, it's so hard because it's so theoretical. It's farther than I can imagine. But this is something I always remind myself. You will be more aware than you have ever been in your life. 
you will be more aware of you than you have ever been in your life. It's not like you're thinking clouds. You saw a picture one time with this dude playing one of those big things. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, he's got, you know, a musical instrument, and you're kind of like, well, I don't lead worship. Uh, you're, you're not really sure. It's not going to be that way. It's not theoretical. You will be more aware than you are right now. Number four, God has a job for you, and it is not just a church service. Amen? Yeah, you guys, sweet. No longer will there be anything accursed. So the reason I bring that up is because as I talk about work or a job, a lot of you have a really bad misconception of work. You hate work. You don't want to work. You want to find someone so you don't have to work. In your mind, you're like, can I marry someone so I can just chill? Uh, is grandma going to die so I can retire? You're wondering. So you don't have to. I, I know you thought that. I mean, don't let you guys like, he nuts. Like, you want to know what you are going to do because it's, you think it's working at McDonald's for some of you. You think it's mowing lawns. You think it's cleaning the house. You're worried about work and when I bring up a job. Nothing will be accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. Worship, says in Romans 12 too, that our worship is far more than just singing. Far more. My body is a sacrifice to worship. When I work, it is a form of worship. But you and I, when you come to church, it's really, it's, it's good sometimes, but it's really not always good, right? You're kind of just not jiving with the song. You don't like the sermon. You're kind of, uh, and then work, you kind of hate it. It's a drag. We, we have experienced things that ruin our perception of the way that God intended them to be. We will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. I have no idea what that means. Jesus, I, I don't know. On my forehead, <laughs> I have no idea. And the night will be no more. I guess, uh, yeah, we, I mean, no, no more stars. I don't know. No, the night will be no more. And they will need no, lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. How long? I'm nervous about the clock, I told you. I want a watch. I mean, I want to know. I'm kind of wanting to accomplish some things. I don't know when I get there. What do you want me to do? I am nervous about no clock. And I'm nervous about forever. What, what am I going to do? Will I be bored? Will I get tired of it? No. I don't understand it. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I know full contentment and peace will come. Isaiah 65, 17 to 20, or 65, 21 to 24. They shall build houses and inhabit them. I'm not a builder. I have no idea what that means, but we'll do stuff. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. If I got to plant stuff, I'm worried about that too. I mean, that's a disaster. Planting vineyards, whatever. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For, the, for like the days of a tree, the, sorry, of the tree shall the days of my people be, which just means long. Uh, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear the children of calamity, for they shall be an offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. This one blows my mind. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Think about that. You are calling out to God, and how frustrating is it when you hear nothing? 
How frustrating is it as a Christian when a lot of times you pray and you feel like your prayer doesn't even hit the roof? Feel like you cry out to God and all you hear is crickets. That will not take place in heaven. I believe you and I both will have full access to God. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know how that looks. If he's just, you know, a bajillion people running around, I don't, I don't know. But I know it says in the Bible, before I call, he will answer me. Before it hits my throat, he shows up. Before I ask my question, he answers there's a huge misconception. We'll talk a little bit more about next week in 1 John 3, 2, how it says we will be like him. And a lot of times people will say, well, we'll come to full knowledge. We'll just know everything. We'll have every answer. I don't think that that is the case. I don't think the Bible teaches that. I think we will be constantly, constantly learning. I believe that we will be like him in the sense of all of my inadequacies, all of my frustrations, all of the things that are bad about Mike, a little bit impulsive, a little bit angry, cuts people off sometimes, a little bit annoyed, these constant inadequacies I have will be done. I'll never walk away from a conversation in heaven and regret what I said in the conversation. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Happens three times a day. I won't walk away thinking like, oh, when does that change? In heaven, it will not be like that. And listen, it's not a church service. We will have church services in some way, I think, I believe, I don't know. I think it's gonna be like that. We will worship God and it will be, I mean, it will be beyond your wildest dreams. It will be perfect connection with God. I don't know, some of you might even raise a hand. Mm. I mean, I don't know, I'll just be laughing with time. Like, you never raised your hand on earth, dude. Like, what was that? I mean, I don't know. I think that that's what's going to, I don't know. That'll be fun. Um, but you will have a job, and your job will be exactly what you want it to be. It will be perfect. It will be, think, think about enjoying going to work. That's, that's a dream. Think about enjoying what you're doing and it not being about the money. You're not asking God, like, hey, I, I need a raise. I mean, I mean, look at, look at that house. His is huge. It's not going to be like that. You will have a job, and it will be perfect unity. No more gossiping. No more, she said this, and he said that. And no more even desiring to do so. I can't fathom a sinless world. Even the desire itself, gone. You being completely content and every conversation you have with someone that you're talking and learning about, I believe you will know everyone's name. Won't say, well, wait, I mean, for me, that's, that's golden. I mean, honestly, uh, no name tags, that'll be sweet. I won't be like, hey, what's your name? No, 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 not your first name, your last name, even though I didn't know their first name. Uh, there'll be none of it. You will know, and it will be perfectly what God wants you to do, and you will want to do it. And when it says there'll be no more night, again, uh, I guess there's no night. I kind of like the nights. I, th I mean, some of you are like, really? I kind of like this, the moon. I don't know if that is exactly what it will be. I mean, uh, there, there are some Bible teachers that would say you can, uh, and we'll talk about this next week more on um, uh, heavenly bodies, but you can travel wherever you want. Time zones aren't a thing. If you want to travel back, travel forward, all this kind of stuff, you will have the ability to do these things. 
I got to keep on the time here because I want to stay faithful to what we have. Uh, Number five, can someone go to heaven and come back? Um, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So we need to be careful. Now, there's going to be certain times in this series where I go from like teaching to Bible nerd. Okay, And a lot of you will know. Some of you, you won't give a rip. You'll be like, what's he talking about? Um, And some of you, it will be helpful. Uh, I have to do it because I tried not to and I just, I I can't. So there are books, there are YouTube videos. I mean, you've watched them. Went to hell and came back. 13 minutes in heaven, right? Uh, There's all these, and these guys will come back and they'll tell you things. Here's what I want to say. I did this, I've done this a few times, and if you've been in our FLC service, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to use illustrations over and over and over, because that gets annoying, and you're kind of like, we get it, Uh, but I think it's necessary. As Christian people, hopefully, if you follow Christ, this is just for you, we need to be people under the book. Whatever this book says, that what I believe needs to go right here first, because there's a way that seems right to me and it will lead to death. There is experiences out there that people will say, let me tell you about going to heaven and coming back. Let me tell you about going to hell and coming back. I remember when I was not saved, I got messed up from a testimony guy, went to hell, came back, he wrote this book, he made billions of dollars, I don't know what he made, made all this money, and for me it actually drew me closer to Christ because it caused conviction on my life. But I just caution you, there is money to be made. And anything I want to know about heaven is right here. Anything is right here. If someone goes to heaven and comes back, I would say, what was it like? It was blue. This is a true story. I'm not mocking. I'm sorry. It was blue. There was clouds. There was singing, and it was just really cloudy, and I, didn't, I just heard God's voice say my name, and that was it. Well, I know in this book it tells me more about heaven than that. Experiences, and here's what's hard. It is hard to deny anyone's experience, and it's hard. If they had a dream, a vision, all this stuff, it's hard for me to say, yeah, you're dumb, because they had it. What am I supposed to say? I, I mean, I got to say, okay, that was your experience. But as I am learning about heaven and hell, as I am asking about salvation, as I am asking about life, have I ever, ever trusted someone's experience over what this book says? And if I do, if I do, I've done this. I've done this. It says in John 3.13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Proverbs 3 asks the question, uh, 30 verse 4, sorry. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? He's asking it. And and then he goes on. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? No one. Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know that if someone says, hey, I went to heaven, I came back, I have a lot of stuff to tell you. I would just caution you and warn you to say, hey, does it line up with what's right in here? If it has nothing to do with what's right in here, then just make that person your authority. If you want to trust their experience. Now, in the Bible, there are probably seven visions that people have. 
Um, I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm going to do a quick three to where they have a vision of what they saw. And you're like, the visions? What's that? It's 2 Corinthians uh, 12. It says this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to a third heaven. What, the third? Where'd that one at? What happened to one and two? Where's those ones at? Trampoline or what? Like, how, how do you get to the third? He is speaking of, a lot of times in the Bible, just uh, a quick rabbit trail, when it says he looked up to heaven, or a lot of times when it's speaking to heaven, it's simply the skies. This time, he is being very clear. He is not talking about the skies. He's talking about an experience he had. Whether in body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whoa. What, or uh, caught up into paradise, whether uh, in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. The Apostle Paul was an absolute monster. Just, I mean, gospel, Bible, G. He wrote the Bible, right? God is speaking through him. And he is, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't even know if we can compare anybody to this guy. His shadows healed people. Think about that. Walking down the street, poof, poof, poof. I mean, just healed people. Get this dude in here for COVID. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, and so what he said is, I was caught up into paradise, had a vision, and I can't tell you what I saw. If that's what the apostle Paul said, then why these neighbors coming back saying they saw stuff and telling us the details? Because Paul said, hey, I saw, but I can't tell you what I saw. And if you read 2 Corinthians 12, he goes on because he doesn't want to be prideful. He doesn't want to be cocky. And he's like, listen, I don't know anything about it. God knows if I was in the body, out of the body, I saw some stuff. But yeah, it was crazy. That's it. And that's what he said. Revelation uh, 19 says this. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. Revelation 22 or 20, 21, one says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw a holy city. Revelation 19.1, I saw this. Revelation, not revelations, revelation is John writing about what he saw. A vision he had from God. Jeremiah, vision. Isaiah, vision. Abraham, vision. Ezekiel, vision. These guys would talk about things they saw. And I'm not going to be talking about Gog and Magog and all this Old Testament weird stuff that they would say they saw because a lot of times we're like, oh, that's sweet. I don't even know what that means. They're writing what they saw and they're describing it with the language they had. So can someone go to heaven and come back? I would let you discern if the Bible says that or not. And if you believe someone's experience over what the Bible says, you got to ask, why am I trust? What, what authority does that person have? Because if someone predicts their death and resurrection, what? And pulls it off, I believe whatever that guy says. And if that's what Jesus says, i got to say, okay, I don't, I, I like these things, they're fun, I like the movie, I mean, my, I, I got family members yelling about to go see the movie, I don't want to see the movie, they're yelling about me about this stuff, but we just got to ask ourselves, what is my authority? Can someone go to heaven and come back? I know there were some Bible guys who had some visions, and they didn't say too much. They were pretty specific about what they had to say.
Now I want to get practical again. Sorry about the rant. Will I know who is there and who is not? That's what you want to know. Jesus, or in Mark, Matthew 17, says this, and he was transfigured before them, and his face, face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, that we will be changed, we will be different, uh, but uh, you will recognize people and faces and names. I will know who my wife was. Hope. I will know her name. I will know our connection together. It's that when it says Moses and Elijah, the reason we point to that is because he's having a heavenly experience with these guys who were in heaven, uh, didn't die in the Old Testament, actually total rabbit trail, didn't die in the Old Testament, showed up to Peter, James, and John, and they said, there's Moses and Elijah. How did they know what they looked like? They never met them. It was thousand thousand a year before. They didn't know what they looked like. They showed them Moses and Elijah. It says in Matthew 22, I'm not going to read that one, but you can go back if you're interested. The Pharisees asked Jesus this question about uh, being married. There's this woman. uh, She got married six times, six different husbands. In the resurrection, who will her husband be? And Jesus said, come on, guys. Don't you know? You will be like angels. You will not be married nor given in to marriage. I won't be married to hope in heaven. Anytime you talk to people about that, they get really, really sad. They're like, oh, really? That's, that's so sad. My grandma and grandpa, they were together forever. You're kind of like sad about it. It's not going to be that way. I will recognize them. I will know them. If someone is in heaven, I will know. And will you know who is not there. Will you know who is not? I think it's Luke. Uh, Do I have Luke 16? Uh, Go to the next one. Will I have regrets? Yeah, right here. This, we'll we'll do this at the end, I think. Uh, It's more about hell, but it's pretty, pretty helpful, I think. Luke 16, 28, this guy says, for I have five brothers, so he may, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. In hell, this guy is having a conversation with a guy in heaven. They're talking back and forth, and he said, hey, I got some brothers. I want to tell them about hell. This is serious stuff. Jesus is telling the story. You will recognize who is there and who is not there for a season. Not bringing out the chart, so just be careful. Not bringing out no timetables and thousand years and blah, 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 Armageddon, all this stuff. But there will be a season if you die today. Bam, let's say Mike dies on the way home. What a sad tragedy. Just died. I mean, I, I probably, probably won't be regretting it. I'll probably be pumped. Uh, dies. And the, the place I go to now, where my body, absent with my body, present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5 8, will not be where I will be forever. Heaven now will transit, there'll be a trans, transition period, and there'll be a time where I do have regrets. I'll know who is not there. I'll know who is there, and it appears to be I will be able to see who is in hell. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you all about sharing the gospel, but man, come on. You'll be able to see them. Why didn't you tell me, dog? Think about that. You will know, but will you have regrets? Isaiah 65, 17. Then there's a transition. Go pull up Isaiah 65, 17. There's a transition time 
after, you know, Jesus and the devil, they go at it, bah, you know, I am, boom, everything just kind of goes to dust, and we win, and we're in the back like, get him, Jesus, you know, we, after that, which I think will really happen, uh, <laughs> that will happen, after that, it says this, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, man, don't I need that. There's a season where I need that. And then I, won't, I don't even know what that looks like because I can't even fathom it. I don't think we got Alzheimer's. I think it's a legit, you don't remember in a good way. Revelation 21, 4, after in this time period, new heavens, new earth, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. There will be a season of regrets but eventually future heaven future earth it will be it will be like nothing i can understand i can't think about it i can't know exactly what it looks like but it says he will wipe away all those regrets i have all that season of time that i don't want to talk about or think about and no one's going to bring it up. hey weren't you that one guy Oh, shoot, right? There was actually a conversation a couple weeks ago uh, that I was having at our men's study with a guy. He was uh, 32 or something. He was like, hey, you always share these stories about your past. I think I was at the one party that brought the stuff, and you were there. I was like, oh, yeah, don't talk about that, dog. Like, that ain't a th- I'm pastor now. That can't happen. Uh, so none of those conversations are happening, right? None of those. It, former things cannot be remembered. So let's make this applicable. Let's bring this home. What is the solution to my FOMO? If you should have FOMO about anything, it should be about heaven. It should be about your eternal rewards there. What you do here will impact how you experience heaven tremendously. I think that we're gonna, it's going to be better than you can imagine. A, a lot of times I'll say, let your imagination run. I think we'll play sports there. I think, it'll be, I think we'll have more fun than you can imagine. It's not what you think. You have to get out of your mind what you saw in a movie. What is the solution? Now, Harvard, I wrote, read this thing. They came out and they're like, the solution to your FOMO is find your inner self, your connection, feel good about yourself. Mm, mindfulness, right? <laughs> I can't be my I mean I can't be mindful for like a second. I'm like, let me try. No, what is the solution? What is the solution? Number one, make sure you're not going to miss out. And I know that sound you're like, yeah, we know. Go to heaven. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out, drive out demons in your name, perform mighty miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He was 73 years old. Came into my office today, 2 o'clock. I want to talk to you about baptism. Was on his second marriage. She had died three years ago. As he told me the story, he kept using church words, man. I mean, he had it down. Conversion, conviction, all this stuff. And I, he, he wanted to get baptized. He didn't know how to do it. He, 73 years old. This dude barely walked. Worked his way in, you know, sit down. And I looked at him and I said, Kevin, what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? 
And he looked at me and he said, I've read this book. And that was it. I said, what are you trusting in to get you to, you show up to heaven. You died today, Kevin. And God says, why should I let you in? What do you say? He gave me the strength to get through my divorce and my wife's death. Do you think that that would be enough? I don't know. Do you think you're going to heaven, Kevin? Absolutely. Why? I just think he'll let me in. So I turned around. I got on the whiteboard. I got this whiteboard in my office, and I wrote, all right, God, you believe in God. Perfect, holy, just. He said, oh, for sure. I wrote down, Kevin, sinner, underneath. He's like, if I could tell you the stories. I wrote down, Jesus, he's the only way. Do you believe that? There is no other way. I said, have you ever responded to God and asked forgiveness for your sin? And he started to cry. And he said, Mike, I have never prayed and asked Christ for forgiveness. I need God. He said, I have learned more about God than probably anybody. He's, I mean, his Bible was just tore up. He kind of went on. He said, I have listened to sermons. I said, have you ever took what's out there and brought him in here? And forgiveness for your sins is what you need. I said, Jesus came not to get you through your marriage. He didn't die on the cross so that you read the Bible. He didn't die on the cross so you go to church. He died on the cross because we need forgiveness of sins. And my man, Kevin, 73 years old today, prayed to receive Christ. Tears welled up in his eyes. We're both crying. I don't even know this old dude. We're crying together. He's giving me a hug. He said, I needed Christ today. Don't miss out. Don't think that you're going just because you're going. Have, has Jesus forgiven you of your sins? And number two, don't lose sight of where you're headed. It's so easy for me to get jammed up down here. I hold on to things super tight. We'll talk about an earthly tent next week. I hold on to things really tight. This is all that life is. I'm obsessed with Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When I put my hope in, heaven, in earth, everything I have here, all my possessions, all my money, it makes me sick. But hope fulfilled is a tree of life. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know in part. Then I shall, full, now I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Fully loved, fully known, fully accepted, significance, accomplishment in heaven and in the presence of God. Let me not waste my time here. Let me pray for you guys. As I close this out in prayer, there is one <clears throat> story I would like to read. In 1952, young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the, of the Pacific Ocean off of the Catalan Island. Determined to swim to the shore off of mainland California, she had already been the first woman to swim the English Canal both ways. The, the weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. 
when she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in a boat alongside told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away. At the news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. God, I pray for some of us who we put our hope here on earth. We feel like quitting, we're emotionally exhausted, physically drained. God, I pray that you would meet us right where we are. God, I ask that you would give us the strength to see the finish line, that we could see where you are, that we would not hold too tightly to what is here on earth. And God, for those here that have, I mean, they've, they've heard a thousand sermons, they've, they've heard stuff, they've maybe heard about heaven, they have no idea if they're going or not. Would you give them the ability to see you for how good you are and what you did on the cross. You didn't come to make me better. You didn't come to make me good. You didn't come to make me a better at life. You came to make me alive in Christ. God, would you give everyone here the peace if they need it? And Holy Spirit, if they don't have it, I pray that you would bother them. Bother them tonight so that they make a decision for you. Would you stand as we sing one more song?